you're listening to Of Sights and Men with Benji and Jacob. A Daily Magician production. Well, hello and welcome back to Of Sights and Men. Today we're joined by a, a very special guest uh, and I guess a spokesperson for a very special company. Uh, it's Biz from Big Blind Media. If you haven't heard of Big Blind Media, um, why not? <laughs> They're one of the coolest magic shops out there. Um, they've released a ton of original material. They've also produced the Carnival deck of cards, which we'll get into a bit later, but was actually the first deck of cards that I ever owned. So thanks for that. Um, and yeah, they're constantly pushing the boundaries of original production. And we're very excited to have Biz on from Big Blind Media today. So I wanted to start with our first question, which is kind of, I guess, uh, maybe you can kind of answer this like a two in one. <laughs> um, but like, where, where did like Big Blind Media start? And where did your personal journey in magic magic start? My personal journey or Big Blind Media's personal journey? Well, maybe we can start with yours and then where it links up with, with Big Blind Media. Well, I would rather start with Big Blind Media's journey because it, I find it very fascinating because I, I actually grew up with Big Blind Media stuff right ever after Illusionist because mm -hmm. it was exactly in this order. Illusionist was the first big company and then right. Big Blind Media opened up. They were the first ones in in Europe because UK was in Europe at that point. Uh, mm -hmm. They were the first ones. <laughs> Sad. Not anymore. <laughs> and... Um, They've been uh, they've been producing stuff since two thousand and four, if I am uh, correctly. Mm -hmm. I was I was actually going to do a small uh, a small check over here <laughs> just to yeah, verify it. Be sure, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and um, Owen actually started the company because he noticed that when he was growing up, everybody was putting out VHS tapes. It was just that one magician in like LNL publishing type of stuff with people, the same people around you. And he didn't like the, the content, how it looked. And he comes from a background of filming rock stars and making production videos and music videos for certain, like just bands. Mm. And he looked at magic and said, Hey, I, I can actually, I can definitely film something better, looking better. So he started gathering magicians and that's how he went on his journey. So that's, that's, that's how it began actually from wanting to produce something that looks better. Oh, that's really interesting. So he added a background, you said like in like film basically, but yep. an interest in magic. And he thought looking yep. at the tutorials that he saw, I thought he was like, I can make something that looks, looks nicer than this. <laughs> yes, exactly that. And so it was really cool. Two two thousand four is that two thousand and four? Yes, there's since two thousand and four. Yeah. This is before Vanishing Ink, before yeah. Penguin Magic. How old were you in two thousand four, Jacob? I think I was four. Yeah, I think I was five. Well, <laughs> I was nine. I don't think I don't think I knew what playing cards were in two thousand four. That's cool. no. that's poor in my mind. Yeah, me neither, for sure. So yeah. my my personal journey started in. Oh, I don't know the year, but I know I was 13, 12, 13, 2007. So 12, yeah, 12, 13. And somebody came in our classroom. I was in seventh grade. Somebody came in, in the classroom with a deck of cards and started showing. What's that? 
what's that card trick called where you arrange the entire deck and you tell a story? The, Ooh, Sam the Bellhop. The Bellhop. Yeah, that's it. So we did Sam the Bellhop, and everybody, like all of the girls, all of the guys, they were they were dumbfounded by what was going on. <laughs> and I was just dismissing it as being stupid, I suppose. But then um, you have to remember that this is back in the days where like, there was one, two people in the entire classroom that had a phone. And right. people were just putting music on their phones. That was basically it. And this is music that they downloaded from, from like their computers. So people, like kids needed to have an activity. So when this person came with a deck of cards, everybody in the classroom suddenly had a deck of cards on them. And it was this stupid craze for like three weeks or one month where everybody was doing snap change by Ed Marlowe and the the dribble, the riffle force. And it was all so annoying for me because I was focused on playing football at that point. And I thought, <laughs> like, this was so stupid. Why, why? But honestly, deep down, I was so jealous that everybody thought this was cool. Mm. See, and then because I, I i would say i was the opposite i was the kid who was doing the dribble force or uh, but i thought the footballers were way cooler than me <laughs> and i was like wow i wish i wish i could dribble the ball i wish i could dribble the ball as well as i can do this dribble force like why can i do this one dribble but not the other but, <laughs> that's pretty funny like... man. and um i got i got to the point where i was very annoyed so i asked my mom for a deck and like we don't have cards nobody nobody played cards in our household and I got a deck of bridge cards from my aunt like a week later. And I started learning like simple tricks like, what's it called? Do you, no, me, this, that, and other. That's the oh, first yeah, one that I learned. The classic. 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 <laughs> Can't go wrong. Uh, two card Monty and uh, just started doing slides, I suppose, but heavily focusing on card manipulation, which was very nice because it, it improved my dexterity with playing cards. So about one year later, I I realized that nobody in the classroom was doing it anymore except me and a friend. And we had <laughs> we had gathered a, a few tens of ideas that we that were original. We felt were original. So Callan Morelli was I think around day one hundred and fifty. I don't even know. I don't even know if you guys know about this, but Callan Morelli did a. 365 project uh -huh. before you I've, know I've, I've heard about this i'm not intimately familiar with it so why yeah. don't you tell the story so i i was actually i was actually present when he started the project i think mm -hmm. i i came in around day 60 or day 70 and you have to imagine callum was literally putting out the stuff that you see him putting out now once a month mm -hmm. was he was putting it out daily and mm -hmm. i remember crazy stuff like changing changing Sprite into Coke, mm -hmm. changing labels. And this is back in 2011. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Shit. That's like 12 years ago, man. And Kevin was yeah. killing it <laughs> yeah, yeah. before everybody else. So I got very inspired by that. And I thought I would love to do a 365 project where I create uh -huh. every day. And like just doing 365 would be boring. So me and my friend, we, we, we talked it over and we thought, 365 hours would be amazing. Ooh. So, Ooh. Yeah, yeah, that was the idea. And I started doing it since 2011 until 2000 and 
17, I think I did it. I, I kind of stopped afterwards and now I started doing it again. So wait, explain exactly what does that mean? 365 hours. Well, every video has a certain time length. So for example, the first video I put out was 12 seconds, which was a horrible mm -hmm. start. Mm -hmm. Because from my point of view, if every video is one minute, then in one <laughs> like year, you, your life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. in uh, in one year, you got 365 minutes, that's six yeah. hours. And in 10 years, that's 60. So one minute is not enough. But I realized if you do three minutes a day, that's stellar. You can pull it off. So mm -hmm. 12 seconds the first day, kind of a setback. And then uh, you keep adding the time of the next video, which was like 15 seconds. So I got 31 seconds. Now I, I stopped at hour 13. So this was like 1,100 videos later, uh -huh. which obviously I missed a lot of days. I couldn't post every yeah. day. But uh, I stopped there. And now I'm doing um, 365 days of magic and I'm on day 226 of like creating magic daily. Uh -huh. Okay. That's, that's, so what do you, that's cool. First of all, that's really cool. I'm just curious when you create it, are you just creating that like internally for you to play around with or are you putting it out there anywhere? Just like on all of it is on Instagram. Or... Yeah. Sorry, my bad. I'm like really off the grid these days and I don't use Instagram. Don't worry about it, man. Almost nobody knows about I'm sure, it. Because I, I'm sure all the kids follow you though. Nah, man. No. Everything's about visual. You know, like Luke, mm -hmm. Luke Osland. Very nice. Very visual. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know a lot of people that do a lot of visual stuff, but there are there are out there. Like that guy from the ATL magician, he works with Penguin. He he does a lot of visual stuff. So Everybody's going towards this. This is what I liked about big blind media is that they focus, they focused heavily on self-working stuff uh, back before the pandemic. So they have a series of self-working card magic. I think they're the only one on the planet that have made self-working card magic, like DVDs, dedicated yeah. DVDs. And yeah. they focus heavily on playing cards, on card magic, not a lot on sleight of hand. This is why me and Owen actually started uh, uh -huh. collaborating uh, three years ago because I focus heavily on sleight of hand and he wanted to branch out a bit and start publishing sleight of hand ideas as well. Mm -hmm. So, uh, wait, the question was, I kind of sidetracked a bit. No, it's, it's fine. Uh, you were just asking about your Instagram, I think. And then we, we, we got into something actually. Yeah. Oh, yes, <laughs> yes. Here, so, so um, <laughs> So I don't think there's not actually a lot of people that follow. I got like 720 people that follow the project, but honestly, like the best way that I can put this is I listened to a podcast interview with Joel, Joel M, you know, the guy, yeah. the magician. Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm -hmm. And uh, the woman that interviewed him said, do you think anybody could do what you're doing? And he said, honestly, Yes, anybody can do magic, but if you're asking me if anybody can uh, post a video daily on TikTok and film themselves and edit every day and do the marketing and everything, I think if you truly are passionate about what you're doing, then you're not, you're not going to be following that. You're not going to be following followers. You're just doing it because you like it. Yeah. But if you start doing it because you want followers, you're probably going to quit pretty soon hmm. 
So it's so, like be interesting thing. Yeah, well, it has to be driven by like the inward drive passion. rather than like an outward result. For sure, because you get depressed pretty fast. <laughs> I've been there, man. I've been there so many times because I I've been creating and putting out stuff since I was fourteen. That's when I published right. my first thing with a company that doesn't exist anymore. They were bought by Penguin Magic now. Uh-huh. I mean, back then. Uh-huh. So you end up. A, seeing people publish your ideas before you, which mm-hmm. doesn't matter. Like, who cares? Anyway, <laughs> there's so many ideas out there. Yeah. So weird. And uh, you get through the idea, like, why are my videos only 600 views or like 1,000 views? And if mm-hmm. you can get past all of this, all of the social media bullshit, like stuff just pulling you in, the reward-based, then... Yeah. You're truly just doing it for magic. And I am honestly, I've always been passionate. And my purpose has always been to discover new sleight of hand techniques with a deck of cards. Because mm-hmm. magicians have always been focusing on card tricks. And it makes a lot of sense with this. Because card tricks are what we show to spectators. Mm-hmm. But similar to how cardistry evolved away from magic... Whereas people perform cardistry for themselves, you know, and they like fiddling with cards. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot of magicians out there that they really just like learning stuff, like learning new slides, learning new tricks. So there isn't such a heavy, how should I put it, heavy uh, uh, importance placed on card tricks anymore nowadays, which I like. And this has given me the motivation to focus on creating color changes constantly and mm-hmm. palming techniques and stuff like that, mm-hmm. which I'm happy that all one likes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's, it's a good combination. <laughs> yeah, I was I actually kind of touched on two questions that I had prepared. Go for it. Because um, first, I was gonna I was gonna ask about like the self working card tricks like on 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 Big Blind Media because I haven't seen such a focus there. Um, like, I feel like a lot of people like think self-working card tricks are kind of lame for some reason. And I wanted to ask you about kind of like why, why focus on them there and, and yeah, like how you see that differently. Well, I think self-working card tricks have for a long time been mathematically based. Right. And, uh, I think magicians, uh, shine, uh, how do you, the magicians that have performed this sort of stuff have been shunned upon by their peers because the method isn't as interesting. So throughout Mm -hmm. time, I think the method has become just as valuable to magicians as the effect itself, especially back in the times when the magic community was so much more tight because we weren't split by the internet, like, or we weren't as many, there weren't as many magicians. There were more societies, but I think as card magic, continue to evolve, sleight of hand continue to evolve, uh, self-working card tricks moved further away from uh, mathematical stuff. And they also use psychological things. They use forces, they use Mm. mm, cues, they use equivoke and, or a blend of all of these. And since, I mean, I read, what, what did I, I read? A lot. Of, I went through a lot of books focusing on uh, the double lift a while ago. I did an article on the double lift where I watched mm-hmm. the evolution of the double lift, double lift in the last 200 years. 
And seeing the type of stuff that people consider to be difficult a hundred something years ago in magic is so funny to look at right now. And I think this is what's why self-working card tricks were so successful when uh, big blind media started putting them out because people are much more dexterous. Even if, even if they don't do magic, people are much more dexterous with their hands than they used to be before. And if you give them just small steps to follow, they can focus much more on presentation, which in the end, that's exactly what it's about. If you can build a story and you can build a beautiful effect, then it, the method doesn't matter, uh, which is kind of contradictory to what I believe in. But since we're talking <laughs> about the self-working card tricks, I have, I have not read any self-working card tricks before I started collaborating with Big Blind Media. Right. And I had no opinion of self-working card tricks. I just knew they were mathematical. And then I had to start learning them because I had to perform them on Instagram and I had to be able to teach them. And I was blown away. I mean, there's this <laughs> one trick. I mean, just try and explain this to me. How is this self-working? And it, this is for free on Big Blind Media so people can learn this. Okay. John Kerry's got a hand in his pocket and he's got a deck in the other hand and he keeps dealing cards. And he tells the spectator to say stop at any point. And then the spectator waits and then says, stop. And he says, okay, turns the card and says, it's a queen or whatever. He says, watch, my hand has been in the pocket the entire time, correct? Yes. Takes one card out from his pocket and says, and looks, it's the other, like the queen of spades with the queen of diamonds. And I was looking at it like, what, 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 <laughs> what? how's that self-working? That's yeah. not mathematical. So... There's so many, so many things like that. And then. And you said, you said that was available for free on Big Blind Yeah, this Media? is, it's called One Card on. One uh, Card. All right, go look one Hand, people. One Card by John. One Hand, One Card. One card. That's it. Big Blind yeah. Media, go check it out. And I think stuff that is uh, very, very easy. And like Lion Montier publishes a lot of stuff that is very easy to execute. And it's not actually self-working, but. It comes so close to the idea of self-working that I like how John Bannon put it, move zero in move zero, mm -hmm. like there's zero moves in this. It's not really self-working, but there's zero moves, mm -hmm. which is as close to it. Yeah. Right. So anybody, anybody listening to this that is a business, is a businessman and they, they have a working day job, they have a big family and you don't have time to clock in and practice every day for hours or you don't have mo the money to spend on gadgets on gaffes on decks and you just want to be able to see something once and instantly go oh i can do that like i just need to know the steps then self-working card magic is the best thing to go with mm -hmm. yo i actually just had a really crazy moment where I think I realized something pretty insane. I briefly interrupt this podcast to uh, just share a little uh, self-promotion with you if I could. Um, if you're enjoying what you're listening to right now um, and you think that maybe you'd enjoy more of our content, uh, please head over to the dailymagician.com slash books. There you'll find 24 classic magic books for free and you'll be signed up for our daily emails where you can hear 
and get more content just like this. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Hope you enjoyed so far. And uh, like I said, that's thedailymagician.com slash books. Claim 24 classic magic books for free. And you'll also uh, be getting daily contact from us with more incredible content just like this. When we set up The Daily Magician, I think, I don't know the exact numbers, but I think within the first like three to five products we sold, that was one of them. <laughs> that was like one of the very first products we ever yeah. tried selling online. When we we had like 200 people on an email list and we were like, yo, you guys, go buy this business DVD, buy it. Um, I have like, I, I just I just actually, pulled up our stats. Actually, I, sold... I, have, I have one right next yeah. to me. You have one? Oh, that's <laughs> Come cool. on, man. <laughs> yeah, we, I actually do. Yeah. And we sold, we sold one. So there you go, Biz. We, we sold one of your DVDs. We made you probably like $4. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty funny, One magician man. out there has been studying your stuff because of us. So there's there some go. pretty good stuff on there. But there's also like Yeah, I mean, we, we, we chose to sell it for a reason. Mainly the reason yeah. was because... It was probably like something we could drop ship, but I'm sure we also yeah. looked at it. it really <laughs> no, we, we clearly we couldn't drop ship it because I've still got five. Oh gosh, <laughs> we should sell it again, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe after this podcast. Freak. Um, but yeah, come back to saying I think I think it's really interesting, like self work. I never thought about self working in that way, like especially like like you said, where it's not just mathematical. Like it, that, I feel like that out opens up the world a bit, like so much more. And then also like what you were saying about like, yeah, if you don't have so time much. to practice like insane sleight of hand or you, like, you know, you do have like a big family and you just want to like watch something and then learn it in like 10 minutes. But it is actually genuinely very impactful. I think that that's, that's yes. a really cool way of approaching magic. It's very different. You said you got a question about the carnival cards. Yes. How did that all start? Because like, I yeah, those are the first, first deck of cards I ever bought. Uh, the carnivals were actually, I think, the first in the first three custom decks that were ever made. Like Illusionist put out the first one, which was the White Ghost, if I remember correctly, and Black Ghost. I don't know. Uh, I remember it was the inverted bicycle that was the Illusionist put out the first ever deck, mm -hmm. and then uh, Big Blind Media followed up. I think either the second or third deck. That's what uh, I remember talking with Owen, and I don't remember what the first deck with is i i don't have to apologize okay. but the carnivals have had a long long history i mean long history the thing that we've done is that all of the decks have the bicycle logo on them so i believe many people didn't actually see the carnivals as being separate from bicycle because of this whereas if you see a theory 11 deck yeah in, it says Theory 11 on it, and Illusionist, it says on it, doesn't doesn't say Bicycle on it. I, I mean, I think Theory 11 did do the Bicycle Guardians, though. They have, like, one deck with Bicycle. Right. But uh, Carnival's still going. We're uh, preparing a new deck for next year, so uh, I'm really hyped up for that. We've always had the same designer, Sam Haynes, which is has a fantastic fantastic portfolio and is uh, actually put out other decks except then just with us and um, what else would you like to know about the carnival decks yeah well i don't know if you know but like where did the like initial idea come from like what, what was like the nascence, nascence well i i can tell you that owen is the bass player in a rock band oh wow <laughs> that's and pretty badass 
he's uh, he's toured all over UK. I think he's toured in Europe as well. It's called uh, Earth Tone Nine. If you if okay. you want to see yeah, like, him in action, it's uh, it's heavy metal. So uh, when you look at the decks, especially at the Carnival Renegades, you get what you get a, a skull guy with a machete. It it's got that rock feeling about it. So it comes from from Owen's love for rock and that aesthetic that surrounds rock. Oh, okay. So he kind of was, did he kind of work on this deck then, I guess, like while he was on tour? Or in, it's, I guess he's, does, yeah. he, does he still play, right? I'm guessing. He like... still plays. He still plays, but he doesn't tour anymore. I, he's, he's past that. Right now, it's just the uh, the inspiration for his decks. <laughs> yes, he's the carrying style. the energy forward. The style is still there for sure. Yeah, yeah. No, that's really really interesting. And so, like, I guess, like you said, the, there'll be a new one. So, the, I'm I'm kind of I I guess like whenever I talk about decks, like it's actually kind of weird. I, when I got into Magic, my dad, the first thing my dad said to me was like, "Can you get me like carnival decks now?" <laughs> <laughs> and like up until this point i've been like oh i don't really know i don't really know like i guess now you know i have that yeah. link but yeah, yeah. Dad, much more available now yeah <laughs> I'll, I'll i'll we're happy to send you you and jacob uh, the the decks that we have right now with much pleasure yeah, yeah. well i mean I, I wasn't asking for free but i'll, I'll take it <laughs> but you'll take it when somebody yeah. offers something as a gift just say yes thank you <laughs> yeah that's it <laughs> yeah yeah, but um, tell me, like, kind of, like, what do you think makes a good, like, what components do you think makes a good deck of cards for magicians, I guess? Because, like, I remember, like, when I was a kid, one thing I loved about the Carnival Renegades was, like, you know how they have that, like, card in the hat of, like, the Joker? Yeah, like, the reveal, has, the hidden reveal. Yeah, yeah, right, one of them has, like, the, I think it's, like, the Four of Spades, I think, or the Four of Clubs in the hat, and then the other one has nothing. And then there's another one that's like you will pick like the four of clubs, I think. Like that yeah, yeah. All of and the then, decks have this. Yeah. Oh, they all do that. That's so funny. Yeah. yeah. I guess like what do you think makes a good play deck of playing cards for magicians? Now, you nowadays? Personally? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's insane that you actually remember this. The four of spades. I just checked it right now. Really? <laughs> you got a good memory. Yeah, I really like the deck of cards. Like, I, I'm not. I'm not just saying this for the for the podcast. Like, I gen, it genuinely was my first deck of cards. <laughs> crazy, crazy, crazy. Yeah. So, um, I think in the past people wanted something that would just blend in. That's why bicycles were so popular. So popular, yeah. and they still are. I think. I think everybody, most of the people, use bicycles. I use bicycles for my for my performances and. Now I use Owens cards for the past three years. Yeah. So nowadays, I think people want to... I think a deck of cards has actually become as much as an accessory as a hat or as a shirt mm. or as a tie. So when somebody, when I when a magician chooses something to perform with, since most of the decks nowadays they feel good they're made out of good paper either you're buying from cartamundi you want something a bit smoother or you're going with uspcc you want the classic feel then i think it just comes down to the design if you're just looking to perform non non gimmicked like card tricks or non gaff card tricks or non-marked deck card tricks mm -hmm. then you're just boiling it down to the design which is why brands i believe have 
differentiated themselves so much from one another, you cannot confuse a big blind media deck with an illusionist deck. You can't confuse yeah. an art of play deck with a, a vanishing ink deck. I don't know. They're not really putting out decks though with mm -hmm. theory 11, for example. Yeah. Cause it, it's become one of those things where people want to express themselves through the cards. So the design is definitely the first one because we're talking about people that are buying to use playing cards. If we're talking about collectors concept, if you have a concept that's intriguing and you're printing like just a thousand nine hundred or whatever, then collectors right. will get them. And then besides that, I think if you give people like a few gaff cards in the past, you used to get those, uh, uh, those commercial, those ad cards, right? Even USPCC took them out. You don't even get them anymore. Nowadays you get a double backer, you get a white card, you get a, you might get a double facer or a gaff card inside. I know USPCC does this. They get a 10 of spades or a seven of spades that all of the pips are fallen down. And it's funny because in Romania, where I'm from, we there's the biggest magic shop. I used to work there at the magic shop. And you still get people that contact you and tell you, my, my deck is actually defected because there's a playing card with all of the pips fallen down. You know, like really, <laughs> yeah, there's still people that aren't, they aren't exposed to this, uh, part of magic. Right. But I think it just shows that playing cards have included magicians, like magicians have become such a big part of playing cards that they're not printing them for regular people playing card games on a Sunday evening anymore. Right. They are printing them with magicians in mind already. Mm -hmm. So. When you're asking me what makes a deck uh, good, like besides all of those th three things, I can't think of anything else. If you have something else to tell me, I'll be more than happy to hear. No, I think I think those are really good points. I'm I'm interested to see like, do you think like uh, someone that performs regularly, I'm guess, I mean, or at least like produces videos regularly, <laughs> more regularly than that I was aware of. Um, do you think like people you were talking about this kind of dichotomy between just using like a bicycle deck so that it's like it doesn't feel gimmicked and it feels like clean for the spectator versus using like a custom deck do you think like there's a a sense of like oh sorry that's my Alexa <laughs> do you think there's a sense of like doubt in the spectator if you don't use like a normal bicycle deck or do you think it doesn't make much difference honestly I think magicians overthink so much yeah people don't was... care <laughs> I was recently at a at a lecture here in Dublin where Paul Brook came and very likable guy and he was explaining one of his book tests and I heard a question from somebody and the minute they said it I thought man ain't nobody gonna think of that only magicians <laughs> so yeah. I think that happens a lot of a lot of times though the difference between a bicycle deck and a fully designed deck most of the time might be the faces. If you have faces that are hard to read because they're too artistic, that's going to get in the way of your mm -hmm. performance. Yeah. And you don't want that. That's why a lot of the big blind media decks have st standard faces because you want magicians to be able to perform with them or you want people to play card games with them, honest, obviously. Okay, nice. 
All right, so getting a bit back to kind of like big blind media, um, I know that these are kind of like general questions, and I don't, I'm not saying like so answer them however you wish. Maybe yeah, if you want to make it more specific, but in terms of like, I've written down here like proudish accomplishments with like big blind media. I guess like, what would you say like you're most proud of? At least maybe during your time at big blind media, are things that you've produced, and what sets you apart from other magic companies? My proud. That's I would say I don't think every anybody has ever asked me this before. So you'll have to give me a bit. I know it's, it is a bit of a big yeah. question. Don't worry. <laughs> even, even if you ask me about me, like what's yeah, you're like, like uh... my proudest accomplishment. Like, <laughs> being alive, living, yeah. <laughs> you know. So just give me a second. I would say that Big Blind Media's proudest accomplishment is the self-working series because. We know that the self-working series have opened up the door to many people that might not have been interested in magic mm. otherwise, or might not have been able to do magic otherwise, if it weren't for the self-working card tricks. So that's, I can, I can say that Owen will vouch for that. Mm -hmm. Owen will also be, he's very happy with the production quality when it comes to everything that he's put out, because it has been his his um, drive in the beginning and yeah. he's always kept that level of production quality if you ask me what has been yeah. my my proudest <laughs> accomplishment honestly just collaborating with big blind media because i was i was 13 i started doing magic and i looked online for stuff to learn from or to buy and one of the DVDs that I found was Omega Mutation by Cameron Francis. And he was, he was inside of this very COVID-19 type of tent with guys with hazmat suits around him. And there was a pandemic going on, which is very fitting, I know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and there was this entire thing with acting. And I was like, what? who are these guys like it doesn't make any sense there's nobody doing stuff like this out there <laughs> so big blind media were, were trying out they were having fun at that point for like a couple of years they had some fun yeah and i remember being small and thinking man i'd like to do something with these guys so going fast forward in 2020 when i contacted owen with this gigantic pitch where i filmed around 26 of my ideas and I pitched it to them, to him. Wow. And it was like, yeah, dude, let's just, yeah, let's work together. <laughs> it was like that easy after all of that. <laughs> yeah. like, I wasn't expecting it because many times I collaborated with uh, other com magic companies in the past and it's very professional. Yeah. But Owen's very friendly and anybody that has worked with Owen will say that. And that put me, that, that took me by surprise because I wasn't expecting that. So I'm very happy to be working with Big Blind Media. And for me, like it's a childhood dream come true, honestly. That's mm -hmm. awesome. So yeah. that, yeah, I, I like that. That's that's a big win, man. We, I think we, have, I think we and Benji have delay, <laughs> which is why we yeah. keep interrupting each other. And we'll fix it in the edit. <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> Yeah, that's I, that's my bad because I had a delay and then I swapped over to like using my hotspot, but for some reason 
whatever we're still you know it is what it is i do have a question though that i've been like dying to ask you um and it's non-magic related but you you're from romania right you said that yes yeah so i actually just like a month ago came back from living in macedonia for about two years um okay and yeah i mean i basically just wanted to flex the fact that i had been in the balkans i guess and just ask you about like <laughs> romania and like the food because i feel like there's got to be so many similarities that i'm just not aware of like the, what like classic food in romania and just like little balkan things um i feel like it's just so rare that i meet magicians from the balkans like when i was in macedonia the whole two years i don't think i met a single like magician that was macedonian i also traveled to like albania kosovo greece and you know there was like maybe greece at some but i feel like magic in the balkans is just an underexplored topic you know well there's a very big convention in bulgaria there's there's a convention in um in belarus as well is belarus in uh the balkans uh you told me bro i'm not i was just a tourist hmm. you're, you're, you're the real deal <laughs> So in uh, Bucharest, like in Romania, in the capital mm -hmm. of Bucharest, we have um, the only, so instead of saying the only magic shop in Romania, we'll say the biggest because mm -hmm. it is the only physical shop, but there are other online magic shops in Romania. Right. Mm -hmm. The magic community in Romania would be, let's say, 400 magicians that are doing this either semi-professional or for a living. Mm -hmm. I think there's around maybe 30 or 40 people that are doing it full-time in Romania. And uh, how many people are hobbyists? I don't know. But it's definitely been blowing up even more because of cool. the TikTok that we started doing. Mm -hmm. The magic shop that I worked at started TikTok two years ago mm -hmm. or one year ago. And they're almost at 200,000 wow. uh, followers. And this is very big because in Romania, there's nobody doing uh, magic TikTok. Uh -huh. And a lot more people have actually started doing cards just because of that, just because of the channel. And uh, regarding magic in the Balkans, I, the only thing I can tell you is that there is uh, the Golden Cat, which happens every year in uh, Bulgaria. And even Mario Lopez was there uh, last uh -huh. year, invited, I think. So regarding food, I don't know, man. I'm not, I'm not really a foodie. I, <laughs> I eat, bro. Like I eat. Yeah. <laughs> you I eat a lot. I don't know. I don't know what they would call it in Romania, but I bet it's like similar food. Did you guys, do you guys eat like sauma? Um, yeah. Like cabbage. Yeah, we eat that. Roll. Uh, yeah. I'm making it sound not as nice as it is. It's, it's nice, I promise. Uh, it definitely is. Yeah, that's, that's it. It is. It's well, but, cabbage roll with rice and meat and minced yeah. meat inside. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I just wanted to ask you. I guess because I know you've got like around five minutes left. In terms of things of like uh, big blind media to like be excited for, what are like future projects people should look forward to? What What are your like long term goals going forwards? So we have right now quite a few releases planned for uh, the following weeks and months. Uh, we filmed a new project with John Bannon. And I, I seen some of the effects at Blackpool. You showed them to me. And <laughs> I think I think John has been getting more and more artsy, like especially with his stories. Because yeah. they're so nice. I mean, this this new project that we filmed is, is gonna be so nice. Now the, the one trick that I can tell you about is 
he's got a hole in the in the playing cards and he talks about how this is a surrealistic painting like these are all surrealistic paintings made by uh, Dali made by other by Marguerite from the surrealistic era and I was listening to this and I was thinking man not only am I, am I listening to am I seeing a good magic trick I feel I'm being educated right now <laughs> so there's uh, this coming in the future then I saw Tom Dabrowski which he's also from Chicago as well just as uh, John Bannon and a small trivia regarding John Bannon He's one of the guys that actually helped make the internet. What so the? I'm just going to put that out there. You know, that's that's kind of random. Wait, wait, wait. Just, <laughs> just throw that out there, you know. No, no, he's no, no. he's pretty old now, yeah. right? And he's been working yeah. in... Um, uh, he worked with the... Not the navies, with the army. Uh-huh. And he was one of the guys that actually helped build the intranet, which was before the internet, which is at Whoa. the base of the internet. Bro, that's so, a technically, fame and a half. <laughs> I thought it was a nice trivia to just Yeah, and we've there. got him making magic. <laughs> I can yeah. only imagine how good the magic <laughs> he is. He could have made the internet, but instead he chose to make card tricks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's John for you. Uh, then, Tom's, Tom, we got a new project with Tom Dabrowski as well. And he's got an oil and water routine that just gets crazier and crazier and crazier. And like, he does it with. Does it with five cards, does it with four, does it with three, and does it with two as a joke. But meanwhile, the entire deck actually, and it's, I saw it live. I put it on Instagram, the performance is on Instagram. I saw it again when I was editing it, and I thought, how did he do that? Like, how does it make any sense? I just nudged it. You know, when you see a magic effect and you say, yeah. Yeah, I kind of got it, but. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I know how one thing was done. Yeah, <laughs> so I think I rewatched it a couple of times, but just because I was scrolling through the feed on a, on a, our Instagram, and then I realized this method behind it, and it's so good. <laughs> it's so good. I thought, whoa, I would have never seen it coming. Like, if you would have performed this for me a couple of times, I would have not, <laughs> not figured it out. But this is what internet is good for, I suppose. So we got that. We got a couple of my effects coming out. Uh, we got Toby Hudson, one effect of his where the deck heckles him constantly. And I love this. I went all the way to Sheffield, which is in the UK, to film him. Well, with awesome. this. And uh, we got Cameron Francis, Lyman here preparing stuff as well. To- 2023 is going to be a pretty busy year yeah. for BBM. Mm-hmm. And I think this is mainly due to uh, our team expanding a little bit. So Owen has a bit more uh, free time to take care of of artists, of uh, making the projects and everything. Mm-hmm. Well, fantastic. Yo, I um, cannot get this image yeah. out of my head, though. Can you imagine John? It's John Bannon, right? That's the one who is the, yeah. the engineer guy. He's sat there and he's like coming up with card tricks. And he's like, yo, I need a way to sell more card tricks. I'm not selling enough card tricks. <laughs> and so he, in, he just makes the internet. This will do it. <laughs> that's now, yeah, that's, that's how the internet came about, folks. That's good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He was a lawyer. He, I mean, oh he was a lawyer gosh. for a lot of years. Copyright lawyer, I think. Mm. 
Wow. So he copyright. So he became a lawyer so that he could copyright the card tricks. Then he invented the internet so he could sell them. He had it all planned. I'm telling you. Yeah. It really does sound like a mastermind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, so on that note, I know you only had 45 minutes, Biz. Uh, we've, we've been a bit everywhere, but I've I've really enjoyed myself. I hope you have too. I don't want to take yeah, more of the time than you had sure. planned. Um, for everyone, obviously, like we've sent out stuff on my Big Blind Media before, but if you want to go check them out. Just literally search Big Blind Media or go to bigblindmedia.com. Yep. There's a ton of freebies you can get. So have a look at like their free section if you want to like get a taste for their magic. Um, obviously, as you know, I'm a big fan of the Carnival deck, so go buy those too. Um, yeah, it's been a real pleasure, Biz. Thank you for your time. Thank you it's for a pleasure as well. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so fun. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we'll end it out there. Unless there's anything you want to push, Biz. Is there anything you want to shout out before we end? No, 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 not really. Yeah. I just said everything in the podcast. Perfect. All right, we'll end out there then.